the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, everybody. It's David Schweikert, not Seth. Um, you know, so Seth is taking his career in his hands by allowing a few of us to show up here and get behind the mic. Um, I and, and Bill is two glass panes away waving at me. So if at any moment um, I start describing obscene gestures, he's waving at me. It's because I've gone over my time. Um, I wanted to do something that's a little different than sort of our typical – you know, talk radio, drive time, trying to get through the raindrops and the storm. I want to give you a bit more insight into what we see going on in Congress, just how dysfunctional it is with the left controlling everything. Um, and we're going to do a, a number of topics. We're going to do everything from infrastructure to how we now make public policy, or the Democrats do, by virtue signaling and feelings. We're also going to do um, a couple other things on just how broken Congress is. Jim Jordan is going to join us in the second hour for a while. Um, and then we're going to actually have a heartfelt conversation. And it's for those who are the conservative activist community. I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of seeing the left take power and destroy our republic. And I think we need to grow up and understand a level of professionalism because there's something crazy out there in the world where the left governs by their feelings. But darn it, they run their campaigns by a calculator. We run our campaigns by feelings and we govern, sometimes sounding a bit like accountants on steroids, but we govern with facts. And I can't – I've never been able to figure out why that difference is. So let's spend a couple moments talking about infrastructure. And, and look, I know we have Afghanistan. I know we have all these other things going on around us. But they're bringing Congress back together on Monday. And it's basically to pass what they call a budget box. But it's not a real budget. It's basically a piece of legislation that allows them to shove in placeholders so they have a – piece of legislation that the Senate can move under what they call reconciliation. So it's a complete fraud. But to understand how fraudulent so much of this is, let's first take a look at the $1.2 trillion bipartisan bill passed last week and a shame on those Republicans who voted for that because first they got up behind the mics and promised us it was going to be paid for. Hey, we're going to we're going to spend one point two million or trillion over the next 10 years and our bipartisan package. And yes, the Democrats then in the House are going to stack another three and a half trillion on top of that. And we're going to talk about that. But they lied. I mean, let's just be brutally honest. The Congressional Budget Office came back and said, hey, you know, a quarter trillion of this isn't paid for. Five hundred and fifty billion of it was already Part of the existing transportation infrastructure 
that, that comes out of your gas tax and other things. Now's a little bit of the inside secret of what's actually going on in Washington. There's this thing called Congressional Budget Office, and they're sort of the scorekeepers on spending. And then there's this thing called joint tax. They're the scorekeeper on revenues. They have so perverse – made the rules perverse. They get to play games like this. Um, and here's a good example. President Trump actually had an idea, and it was a fairly controversial one a couple years ago, that was going to be the rebate that happens when pharmaceuticals are purchased – that that rebate would be given to you and I as the consumer. You know, when we're there at the pharmacy, it, we would see it in our price. Congressional Budget Office came back and said, "Hey, that's going to cost about 180 tr- or 180 billion dollars over 10 years." Democrats said it will never, ever, 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 ever get a vote. It was never completely formulated, even in the Trump administration. It was a proposal. Congressional Budget Office gets to use that as an offset. They get to pretend that that $180 billion is spendable and by the Democrats canceling it, even though it was never going to go into an existence and never had a chance and they made it very clear it was never even going to get a vote, they get to use that as an offset on the spending for that $1.2 trillion infrastructure package. It's a fraud. It's basically shell games, smoke and mirrors. And this is some of the craziness they're allowed to get away with. And if it doesn't set your hair on fire to understand that's what's going on on the bipartisan bill. Now, if you can get your head around stacking another three and a half trillion dollars on top of that, we're still trying to do the math because – Almost every dime of that truly will be borrowed. With it, they have a litany of new taxes coming. There's a small problem. The tax proposals the Democrats are making, when you actually do the really complex and they call it dynamic scoring and all the math, it turns out the corporate tax hike unemploys one million Americans in the first 24 months. It turns out the capital gains tax actually loses $33 billion over the first 10 years. There's a thing called basis where they only let you apply the lower capital gains tax rate to a certain amount. That's the only part that they actually gets raises revenues. There's some modeling out there. It says all these new taxes, by the end of the decade, what it will have done to the lost GDP, the lost growth, The number of Americans who will lose their job, who will not get their wages increased because there's no more investment or less investment in productivity. It really is just heartbreaking that the left can talk as if, oh, we're going to do this human infrastructure. We're going to build these things. But then when you lay out how it's being done, it's actually going to hurt a lot of Americans And there's two other points for us here in the Southwest. For those of you who've been here in the Phoenix area for a long time, I need you to think about this. Are you on a freeway right now? If you're on the 101, 202, 303, you do realize you paid for that. We, in 1986, here in the Phoenix area, 
chose to tax ourselves a half-cent sales tax. Yeah, the HOV lane was um, a match from the federal government, but the freeway itself you're on was locally financed. The Central Arizona Project, they loaned us, the federal government loaned us the money. We got to pay it back. Those of us here in the Southwest, we have paid for most of our own infrastructure. It's not been the federal government. Yet you see the politicians, particularly the senators who crossed over and voted for this $1.2 trillion, keep getting behind microphones and saying, well, New Orleans really needs a new sewer system. Okay. New Orleans made a decision not to invest in their sewer system for decades and decades and decades and decades. And you've now created this incredible moral hazard where don't invest in your community, um, do great union contracts, do things that elects, elect the left-wing Democrat leadership in these big cities, and just wait, and just wait, and just wait, and eventually you'll have a unified Democrat government that's going to bail you out. And communities like ours that stepped up and covered our own costs, built our own infrastructure, we get kicked in the head because we pay for our own while – Cities like New Orleans and Detroit and so many of these others who have genuine infrastructure problems. It's not like our central Arizona project where the federal government's coming in could come in and say, we're going to help you out. We're going to give you a loan. We're going to do it this way. You have to actually come up with a plan to truly have a substantial match. Instead, the politics in Washington right now are indemnify bad leftist governments. All over this country, you know, whether it be cities and counties or even some states, their pension systems, their failure to fix their water systems, their sewer systems, their own bridges that are their responsibility, not part of the federal highway system. And that's one of the moral hazards that's going on, which we see right now, which is just so intensely frustrating, is when you represent, you know, the folks here in Arizona where we have stepped up, covered our own costs built so much of our own infrastructure, um, made those decisions, and we get to actually take our tax dollars and bail out the bad actors around the country. So we'll be back with a lot more to talk about. Next is virtue signaling. Now, do I get a choice on the bumper music? Okay, we're, we're going to talk at the next break of what we're going to play. Um, Bill is appalled. I'm here with my ginormous coffee, and I'm trying to explain to him. I, I'm a non-drinker, never been intoxicated, but um, if they ever banned coffee, I'm in so much trouble because this is like number eight today. And then, and then I wonder why I don't sleep. So, hey – I, I want to actually give you another insight that just infuriates me. And if you pay attention to it, you're going to notice it constantly. When a Democrat is using um, – what do they call it? Oh, their, their mouth in front of a microphone, particularly on the floor of the House, how much of it is virtue signaling. Except I will make you an argument, and I, and I have the facts, that much of what we do in virtue signaling – is a fraud. It's, hey, this feels good. It, I, I hit an emotional chord. Um, look at me. But it makes no difference. And, and let me give you a couple examples of what I'm talking about. How many of us care about plastic in the ocean? 
I think we all do. I, uh, before getting this crazy job, I, I was I loved to go scuba diving. I have been blessed to scuba dive in some crazy places around the world. Um, plastic in the ocean is a big deal. So when your community goes and bans plastic straws, particularly here in North America, do you feel – don't you feel virtuous? Don't you feel like you did something? You know it's a complete fraud. Um, North America has an amazing – and so does Europe – uh, an amazing record of its plastic isn't floating around in the ocean. Ninety percent of the plastic in the ocean comes from ten rivers, eight of them in Asia, two in Africa. If you actually gave a darn about plastic in the ocean, you would not be banning, banning plastic straws where the scam in Washington, D.C., where they've done this is now you get a paper straw wrapped in plastic. You would actually go to the ten rivers that are 90 percent of the plastic in the ocean. Eight in Asia, two in Africa, and maybe say, hey, we're going to change our foreign aid. We're going to change our technical aid. We're going to do this and that, and we're going to go after the plastic that's in these rivers that's going into the ocean. That would actually be doing something. And I've given this speech. I've, I've done the charts. I've done all the presentations in committees and in, in the environment committee. The Democrats have put together their global whatever committee, and they just stare at you. And you realize they don't actually give a damn what they what they care about. Oh, also, I, Bill, um, hopefully you have a dump button. If I get – I've had a lot of caffeine. If I say anything inappropriate, you'll just beat me out, OK? Um, but seriously, if they truly cared – and they don't. It's the virtue signaling. So let's walk through a couple great, crazy examples. So a couple weeks ago, I did a big presentation on the floor of the House because we found this detailed study. I think it was out uh, – it was Dutch – and it actually talked about um, communities that have banned plastic shopping bags. And we have a couple of those here in Arizona. And the math from the study was that canvas, you know, cotton bag you carry around that hopefully on occasion you actually wash, you have to use several hundred times to actually cover the environmental impact equal to if they had just given you that natural gas-made plastic bag. Are you really going to use that canvas bag several hundred times at the grocery store? If not, you're actually on the environmentally negative side. It's virtue signaling. But yet you go through Washington, D.C., go through Tempe, go through a lot of our communities here, go through a Whole Foods, and you see people marching around with their canvas bags. And I appreciate you know, if it's a canvas bag with the heat insulator, you know, the ice cubes inside of it, great. That makes sense. It's hot here in Arizona. But if they really think, if you really think you're, you're helping the environment, I need to buy you a calculator. These things are virtue signaling. They're not actually policy. And that's one of the great crises I believe we have in local government and what's happening in school boards for those of us in Congress is we reward our feelings. We get people that send us money because we made their feelings work. We appealed to those, but we didn't actually do things that actually made a difference and made the world better. Um, great story, I think it was just yesterday, that Germany, you know, one of the countries that's always preached at the United States of, you know, you need to be more global, globally, you know, environmentally, you know, global warming sensitive. Um, looks like they're going to actually reverse their trend and their 
CO2 output is about to get much dirtier. And it was a great article, except you could tell the author was chagrined having to write it. And then when you looked into the fact, it was substantially because they've taken so much of their nuclear, their baseload nuclear off. And it turns out the wind and some of their photovoltaic isn't producing the way it's supposed to. But because they made a knee-jerk emotional reaction in regards to their baseload nuclear, the country's about to get dirtier in, in regards to CO2 calculations, if, if that's the way you want to do it. Um, simple, next time you happen to be subjected to sitting with one of your leftist friends, do this for me. Ask them saying, hey, would you like the United States to really hit those Paris Accord numbers and just blow through them? And your leftist friends will clap like a seal and say, yes, 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 yes. It's a great. If you let us build pipelines, we've done the math. Did you know a major pipeline, and this is theoretical, but it's more the talking point because it's the religion of the left, a pipeline that would collect methane in West Texas basically gets you almost to the Paris Accord numbers because methane's calculated at 9 to 1. And I, I've done this presentation multiple times to universities and other groups. I have my little charts and my calculations, and they just look at you in horror saying, well, we oppose pipelines. Yes, but these pipelines turn out to be really good for the environment. Yes, but 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 we oppose pipelines. Okay. So you want to cancel things like Keystone. You want to stick crude oil in rail cars or you want to ship it out to the Pacific coast of Canada where it can be shipped to refineries in China, which are, as you know, are really environmentally sensitive. It's virtue signaling. And at a certain point, need to understand much of what the left does in front of us is theater. It's about raising money. It's about pacifying the very folks they raise the money for are from. Um, and it's not actually about making the environment or our lives better. And when we get through some of this, I really want to talk about how much of this has become making public policy by feelings and how much of that is really, really hurting people. So um, if you ever get a chance, we do some really detailed presentations. You can see these on our congressional website. So see you in a few minutes. You see, um, you, you know you're in trouble when you get about a dozen text messages from friends and family who are listening and not a single comment of, hey, you're doing a good job or you need a different subject. It's, hey, we hate the bumper music. And I know this is Seth's show. You know, Seth chooses his bumper music. But, um, you know, if you're a caffeinated conservative, um, I'm sorry. You know, um, so – we're going to talk a bit, and actually, I'm really hopeful that any moment now, um, Jim Jordan's going to give us a call, but this is David Schweikert, and I'm blessed to fill in for Seth today, and I believe tomorrow you have Zudi, Zudi Jasser, who is truly one of the most interesting and, and actually one of the nicest human beings I've ever worked with, I've ever spoken to, um, and he has a sort of a great vision for the future. 
And my understanding is Friday my buddy Andy Biggs is going to – and um, Andy, if you get to know him, has actually a great sense of humor, some dirty little – he speaks Japanese and he's actually a great musician. So maybe he'll even bring in his guitar and play for us on Friday. But a couple of things we're going to talk about. And when Jim calls, why, why put Jim Jordan on the phone? Well, before – Besides the fact he's one of our conservative heroes, um, Jim is a great human being. He is rock solid when people like me have had the occasions when John Boehner's beating the crap out of us or others. It it was Jim who's the one who came over to me and, and actually was there to defend me. And he didn't know me that well. Um, there's very few people you meet in the congressional life which you would turn to and say, this guy's a warrior, this guy's rock solid, and he's going to do the right thing. And Jim, thank you for giving us some of your time today. What part of the country are you in? <laughs> I'm, in I'm actually at home. Uh, we're, we're in Ohio uh, for a little bit uh, this week. So good to be with you. I heard you saying nice things about me, but uh, the truth is those are things to be, uh, that I should be saying about you. Well, um, there's no there's no finer fighter in, in the United States Congress for the – the principles that make our country special than uh, than, than you, David. So it's a, it's an honor to serve with you in the United States Congress, and it's good to be on with you tonight on the radio. No, you're very kind. And and one of these days, um, when you write your book, I want to read the chapter of how you know we put together the Freedom Caucus. And the fact of the matter is, you were the leader of defending the you know handful of us who had been thrown off our committees because we apparently were really annoying. <laughs> well. You, you know, uh, look, we formed that group because we, we think there are lots of people who feel like Washington has forgotten them. Our job is to remember them and fight for them. And that's why I put the group together. And, and frankly, our focus is real simple. Do what you told the voters you were going to do. Go there and fight for the things they elected you to fight for and, and the things you told them you were going to do when your name went on the ballot and they voted for you and sent them to our nation's capital to represent them, their family, and their business in the U.S. Congress. Go do those things. And if you do that, it's uh, like I always say, the job's not that complicated. It's pretty basic. Just do what you said. And you've done that. And that's why the folks in your district appreciate you. And that's why I do it. Uh, you're other very kind. Too. And for everyone that's listening, if you just joined us, I have Jim Jordan on the phone. This is David Schweikert because Seth is actually, I guess, um, rebuilding his bomb shelter. Um, <laughs> and, and, and Jim, we know we're in for a cantankerous few months ahead of us. Yeah. What yeah. do you and 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 some of the crap that the left has gone at you hard? Um, yeah. What do you think we're in store for? Um, you, give give, give well, the listeners some inside. Yeah, I think first of all, you understand, you recognize this. Your listeners do. Uh, the American people do. Well, tell me one thing: the Biden administration has done right. I mean, everything is. We went from energy independence to now uh, Joe Biden begging OPEC to increase production. We 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 went from uh, a secure border to chaos. Where May, or excuse me, March was the highest number on record for illegal crossings until April, and then April was the highest month on record until May, and then May until June, and then June until July. That's what you call a bad trend. It's 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 deliberate now. It's intentional. So we got that. We got crime increasing in all our urban areas. We have inflation driving up the cost of, of everything, and we have attacks on our personal freedom, our First Amendment rights. So uh, they've done everything wrong, and now we have this Afghanistan situation, which is a complete debacle. So they haven't done anything right from an economic standpoint. Their economic policies, David, and this is where you're, you're an expert as a guy on the Ways and Means Committee who understands this. Their economic policy is so bad. I mean, oh, think yeah. about it. Jim, lock, and lock that's down the economy. The next segment, oh, that's what we're going to talk about.
All right, we'll talk. Uh, sure. Hey, um, are you? Do you have to run, or can you hold? I can hold one, one more segment, sure. For, for super, super. Give us a couple moments. We'll be right back with you. It's Jim Jordan, David Schweikert, and we're talking about what's going on in D.C. Well, hi there. It's David Schweikert. I'm filling in for Seth Leithson. And on the hold is Jim Jordan. And Jim, I understand you have only a couple more minutes before you have to abandon us. Um, yeah. But I, I really think it's important because this is, is a radio station. The people who are going to be listening to this station get it. But I don't think they understand how screwed up the Democrats have turned the House of Representatives in Washington, D.C., into yeah yeah no it's uh you're, you're right dave um we now have a major political party the democrat party controlled by the radical left and the radical left who controls that party doesn't like the country america they they, they think we're you know systemically racist terrible country uh, where we know the republicans we know that we're the greatest nation in history not perfect but the best country ever and um when you when you start from the perspective and premise that they that they that they come from you just, you just, you can't get good things done for the nation, and uh, you're seeing that in their economic policy. I started to say before the break that, um, you know, their economic policy is basically four crazy ideas: lock down your economy, spend like crazy, pay people not to work. The people you're paying not to work tell them they don't also that they also don't have to pay their rent. And then for everyone who is working and is paying their rent, they're going to raise your taxes. So those are four of the craziest ideas you can do. But that's basically their economic plan, and you wonder why inflation and the cost is up, and why you. So many employers, I'm sure it's the same in your district, Dave. Every oh, single yeah. employer I talk to, every single one says they can't find people to work. Plenty of job offering bonuses, everything else, can't find people to work because, you know, when, when you pay people not to work, you shouldn't be surprised, I guess, when you can't find workers. And, and, that's, and uh, being a border that's state, and being a border state, um, and we're going to talk about this in a moment, with what the, the Democrats have done with the border, it's just going to destroy the working men yep. and women, and particularly the working poor, for maybe a decade. Yeah, no, it's 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 sad with the Democrat Party. Everything, again, uh, someone I, I said yesterday when we see this 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 mess and the chaos now in, in Afghanistan, I said frankly we shouldn't. It's embarrassing. It's wrong, but we shouldn't be surprised because in their seven plus months now, I guess, in, of being in office, what have they done right? What has Joe Biden done right? Everything has been a mess. So. Um, it's why I think, David, that we're going to be back. Our party's going to be back in the majority in the House of Representatives here in about 18 months. And I think that um, President Trump's going to run again for president in, in 2024, and I think he's going to win. And that would be great for the country. It's If the public, though, understands, and we got to take it seriously, because much of the legislation that you and I have been trying to expose for its duplicity, the Democrats are moving because they think it will help them in this next election. Yep. Yeah, no, and they're they're bound to determine. Forget what what uh, common sense tells you. Forget what basic economics tells you. They're bound to determine to enact their radical left agenda to change our voting laws, to change the economic policy, to socialize the country. They're bound to determine to do it all, and in the process, take away our freedoms, which I find of, of, of the most concern. Um, it's why we got to push back on them every step of the way, and it's why I'm glad that you're you're there in Congress helping us do that. You're very kind. As 
as Jim started a little earlier, I, you know, we all fill different roles. Um, Jim is basically our warrior. You know, he, he was an amazing wrestler at the university level. He, he is a true warrior. Um, I like to, in some ways, I'm the tax geek in Freedom Caucus. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, you know tax policy better than anyone in the United States Congress, and we appreciate that because uh, the Democrats are wanting to raise everyone's taxes, take everyone's money, and you're there fighting to try to stop that. So we appreciate that important, important role that you play. Um, so we're back on what uh, Monday, and yeah. they're going yeah. to try to slam through, I guess, their budget fake, fake budget box, so they can start moving their reconciliation package. Yeah. The, now the one good thing is. If there's a small bit of hope, there was the letter that nine Democrats sent to Pelosi saying, wait a minute, we we just they want to vote on just the one bill that's pretty darn bad. You know, it's really bad in our minds. But to them, you know, they think it's OK. The one point two trillion, which a little bit of it's actually real infrastructure. They want to vote on that, and not combine it all with this three point five, which is what the radical left in the party, what Pelosi wants to do. So maybe there's a few of them who understand what the American people get, that this is crazy what they're trying to do. So when we get back, we'll find out. But uh, typically, they, you know, the Speaker Pelosi winds up getting the Democrats to support the crazy stuff. We'll just have to see um, when we get and, back. To and they have only, what, a three-vote margin right now? Yep. Yeah. Very small margin. So she needs every, every single vote. We'll just have to, have to see how it all shakes out. Well, Jim, I know you have to leave us. Thank you. Thank you for the time. You bet. Um, hey, and also, you, bet, you know, it's a chance to say it on the air. Um, thank you for all the times that, you know, for— Many of us on the conservative side, when they used to separate us from the pack and then beat the crap out of us, um, <laughs> you, you were yeah. our warrior who came, put us together as a group and made it so we had a voice. So, you know, the, you know, uh, and, and it's more than just the leadership. Those folks who tell us how conservative they are, but they still want to spend every possible dime. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well. Well, it's been an honor to serve with you, and, uh, and keep up the good work. I'll see you next week, brother. All right. It is done. Thanks, Jim. All right. Thanks. And for everyone listening, that was Jim Jordan. Um, what makes him so special to us is, you got to understand, he's by the you know the press, the Democrats, um, Democrat leadership particularly, he's one of the single most hated members ever in modern Congress. And they go at him constantly and constantly. If you could see the crap that is thrown at someone like a Jim Jordan. And he seems to wake up the next morning, a grin on his face, and he's ready to punch back. And he now is the senior Republican on, I believe it is, judiciary. And when you have situations like that, it's those committees that much of the Democrat crazy goes through. It's it's the oversight. It's the judiciary. For those of us in my in my world, um, I do taxes, I do trade, I do Medicare finance, and we're going to be in the crosshairs this coming week as the Democrats start to try to put together their spending packages, their reconciliation packages, and as Jim was just talking about, here's the great scam. And this is one of the reasons why the Senate sent this over to the House. You keep hearing, oh, we have this $1.2 trillion bipartisan, though if you read it, it's, it, it, there's just lots of really bad stuff. And, and we talked in the opening segment how much of this piece of legislation just isn't paid for. It's all borrowed. It's going to be paid back, if ever, by my five-year-old daughter. And they're going to try to send that over to, to the committees and marry up 
the three and a half trillion dollars. And why is that such a big deal? That's basically equal to the entire budget of the United States. And then you add up basically over the next decade, two decades, start to double, triple that amount of money in just the borrowing costs. And we're going to talk about how broken Washington, D.C. is when we come back in one of the future segments. But I need us to understand just how messed up the environment there is. So, okay, these are big picture. These are, you know, big issues. But this is a place where when some of us bring our daughters, our little girls to be on the floor of the house, they throw them off the floor of the house. The Democrats have weaponized everything. And we're going to talk about it when we get back. This is David Schweikert. Thank you for joining us. So, Bill, um, what do you think Seth is going to think about his new bumper music? (laughs) Oh, yes. And for anyone who wants to complain, um, you won't be the first one. I apparently have a very strange taste in music. Don't tell anyone. It's it's just a secret between you and I. Um, I truly like something called trip hop. It's a very harmonic, smooth, mostly electronic um, because it's, I, 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 I'm a voracious reader, and it's something you can play in the background while you're reading. So this is David Schweikert. I am blessed to be the congressman for North Phoenix, Scottsdale, Fountain Hills, Carefree, Cave Creek. Um, I believe it is the greatest congressional district ever. Um, and Seth um, is putting basically his time slot at risk by allowing me behind the microphone. Um, tomorrow is Zudi Jasser who is just a terrific medical doctor, um, but also a really great human being. And then Friday, Andy Biggs, uh, my compatriot to the south and a little bit to the east um, in Congress, is going to also be behind the microphone. Um, We had Jim Jordan on a couple minutes ago, and he was trying to make the point that if you take a look at what the administration has done in their first several months, Take a look at what Nancy Pelosi has done. Now she's had Congress for two years and seven months. And how far to the left the Democrats have gone. Because remember, in the 2020 election, Democrats actually in the House lost a bunch of seats. But the seats they lost were the more, I'll say more moderate, if, if there's such a thing left. I mean, I believe today there may be a single pro-life Democrat left in all of Congress. If you are a Democrat listening to this show and you consider yourself a moderate, you may be the only one. The party um, is anything but. Um, Jim was actually talking about there is a letter out there from nine. Now, there's a couple hundred Democrat members of Congress. Remember the old blue dog days? And now there's only nine that are willing to sign a letter saying the three and a half trillion spending orgy that will wipe out so much of, you know, in, any attempt at fiscal sanity. And we're going to come back when we get back to the top of the hour on just the reality of what's happening to the numbers in this country, the demographics and over a hundred trillion dollars of borrowing that's coming at us. This is David Schweikert, and I'll talk to you in a few minutes.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.